This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how inadequate data may be impacting your used vehicle department at reyrey.com slash used cars. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y.com slash used dash cars. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year automotive news digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for January 1st, 2024. Happy New Year. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, the U.S. government always plays a role in the auto industry's fortunes, and that was especially true in 2023, the first full year operating under the Inflation Reduction Act. It really was in 2023 when we started getting even more guidance and details that we saw some of those plans take hold. You know, like at the start of the year, especially, we saw like just more investments, more commitments. There was a lot of energy, I feel like, in like the EV battery supply chain here in the U.S. Automotive News Washington, D.C. reporter Audrey LaForest joins Jamie to talk about the role of government in the auto industry in 2023 and what we expect to see this year. Audrey LaForest, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks so much for having me, Jamie. Glad to have you here. Of course, today we're doing our year in review discussion about your beat covering Washington. And gosh, this last year, it's really been the Inflation Reduction Act beat. That was kind of, you know, a strange name is really an environmental bill uh, with a lot of anti-China strings attached. But the details of it became a lot more real in 2023 as many of the conflicting rules started to take effect or at least be formally written out. Uh, Walk us through what this year has been like on the on the IRA beat. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just to just to recap where we left off at the end of 2022. So. Treasury had missed its year-end deadline for issuing guidance on the new EV tax credits, critical mineral and battery component requirements, and just also other sort of proposed rules, information that better explained how not only the new EV tax credit, but also the tax credits for used EVs Mm -hmm. and the quote-unquote commercial clean vehicle tax credit worked. You know, so... Starting in January then, the auto industry really didn't have a lot to work with. I did a story that talked about, you know, how are dealers navigating this, especially are they having customers coming to their showrooms, asking about these new EV tax credits? What are they telling them? And, you know, I just think back to the headline and it was, car dealers don't have the answers on the EV tax credits. And that's really where we're at. You know, it was still... We had some information, some guidance to go off of, but it almost just stirred up more questions than there were answers from Treasury. So it uh, was a confusing and complicated start to 2023. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, You mentioned the commercial vehicle credits. Those don't mean just what it sounds like. Uh, you, You hear that and you think, oh, these are, you know, dump trucks or garbage trucks, or at least, you know, F-150s that are being used on the job site. But it's really uh, any EV that is bought by an entity for the purpose of business, including uh, finance companies that would use them for leasing. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that was just one of the interesting things too, because not to talk about 2022 again, but in December, <laughs> at the very end of the year, Treasury did provide guidance on if there was a way for consumers to potentially access that commercial clean vehicle credit and come to find out they could. And that was in the guidance. And of course, that stirred up this uproar with Senator Joe Manchin, the West Virginia Democrat, who uh, was not on board with this, uh, I believe he called it a loophole in the guidance. So essentially, if a company like the automaker, like they're the ones getting the commercial clean vehicle credit, it's $7,500, and they can choose to then pass that down in lower lease prices in in the contract and whatnot. So that, so the consumer is not necessarily getting the credit like they would with the 30D tax credit for new EVs, um, but it's still a way that, you know, if automakers' vehicles don't meet all of the nitty-gritty requirements in the tax credit for new EVs, this is a way, you know, that like we're seeing with Hyundai and some of the other international automakers, uh, this is a way for them to to potentially give their customers a discount. And and that is the 2023 story. It's just been uh, all these automakers, like you mentioned Hyundai, you know, which is building a factory in South Georgia, um, you know, converting their factory in Alabama, but not really making EVs that qualify yet, or they weren't for most of the year. And so they were really suddenly at a huge competitive disadvantage, aside from being able to offer through the lease uh, program. Yeah, you know, and we started hearing about some of that stuff back in 2022 when the text of the inflation reduction came out uh, with all of like these new uh, sort of like battery and critical mineral sourcing provisions that were in the tax credit for new EVs. So automakers um, and battery manufacturers for that matter, they knew sort of like the framework of the rules and what that would mean for their supply chains. But I do believe that it, it really was in 2023 when we started getting even more guidance and details that we saw some of those plans take hold and play out. And, you know, like at the start of the year, especially we saw like just more investments, more commitments. There was a lot of energy, I feel like, in like the EV battery supply chain here in the U.S., well, and uh, supported uh, robustly by uh, manufacturing credits or taxpayer support for building those factories and other uh, related operations. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that was another one of the the pieces of the Inflation Reduction Act that I dug into was the 45X Advanced Manufacturing Production Tax Credit, um, which, you know, is, as I understand it, it's still an uncapped credit. So, these companies can potentially receive a ton of government money through 2032. Although, you know, we did, we are maybe seeing some of those plans change just as the EV market sort of, I don't want to say levels out right now, but it's kind of like in this slowdown phase. You know, I think it remains to be seen. Some people are saying that it'll pick back up again, you know, but this is also, this is, this whole transition is so new. And this legislation is still so new in a lot of ways. And we saw that this year, just with all of this guidance, these details that were being added from the Biden administration to help companies and consumers, for that matter, figure all of this out. So yeah, we're still kind of, we're still waiting to see how this all plays out in a lot of ways. Yeah. Including, you know, you can build a battery plant, but if your graphite, your lithium, 
your cobalt and such is coming from a foreign entity of concern, uh, that's going to become a bigger and bigger problem as each year moves along. Uh, so it's not entirely clear how how well this is all going to work or if it can all take shape in the finite timeline of the Inflation Reduction Act, as you said, uh, really just runs through 2032. Yeah. And, you know, the foreign entity of concern piece of all of this, that was, of course, guidance that was issued this year. It was definitely, you know, anxiously awaited by the auto industry, by automakers, especially automakers like Ford that have partnered with Chinese battery companies, CATL, you know, and we're still waiting to see how that ultimately affects which vehicles will qualify next year for the 30D tax credit. But I believe Ford has already said that its Mach-E Mustang won't qualify next year. GM seems to be pretty confident that its models will qualify. Uh, they haven't put out a list yet, as far as I know, but um, I think that will be coming soon. And we saw, I think it was back in April when the critical mineral and battery component requirements took effect. We saw the list of eligible EVs, new EVs, really, I think it was like cut down to just 20 models. So we'll see, I guess, on January 1st or around that time, you know, how, how much lower uh, that number gets. Coming up, Audrey and Jamie talk about the provisions in the Inflation Reduction Act that take effect this year and how that could affect car makers, retailers, and consumers. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is, is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Lack of inventory, increased auction fees, and a volatile market means stocking your lot can be challenging these days. To be successful, you have to move fast. You need to make decisions quickly at auction. You need to inspect trade-ins and decide on an offer that will benefit you without slowing down the sales process. You need to appraise and price vehicles with the most up-to-date information possible in a market that can change quickly. But the data you rely on to make these decisions could be holding you back. How often do you find yourself manually filtering through comps because there are outliers that don't match the vehicle you're appraising? When unexpected mechanical issues come up, how much time do you have to spend looking back through comps to reprice the vehicle and determine if the reconditioning costs are worth it? How long do you spend searching through individual auction and third-party websites for the inventory you need? These problems affect the entire used vehicle process from acquisition to appraisal to merchandising. 
Visit reyrey.com slash used cars to explore how old and irrelevant vehicle information may be holding you back and discover how to make improvements for faster, more accurate, and more profitable decisions. That's reyrey.com slash used dash cars. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. I'm talking with Audrey LaForest, who covers government and lobbying for us at Automotive News in Washington, D.C., We're talking about the biggest stories that she covered in 2023 and about what to expect this coming year. Before we stop talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, of course, I want to talk a little more about dealers. Uh, The other big development this year was the establishment of the dealer portal and dealers signing up to basically be able to capture uh, the tax credits up front and apply them to consumers' down payments. How's that been going? How's that been received? Yeah. So, you know, I've been asking a few dealers that I speak with if they've signed up, if they've registered on the new IRS website to be able to offer, potentially offer the tax credits at the point of sale. And a lot of them have said that they've registered. So, you know, they're following those instructions. They're going through the process, Treasury issuing that guidance and telling dealers that they can expect to be reimbursed within 72 hours was very big deal because leading up to that guidance being released, the dealers that I spoke with were very, very, very concerned that they were going to be put in a position that they were in back with cash for clunkers to where it took them weeks or months. I think one dealer said it took them six months to be reimbursed. You know, so these are, you know, different programs, of course. They have a different end goal, but you know, there's still that concern. This is sort of the closest thing to that that they can think of. So yeah, the 72 hours was very welcomed by dealers. I think a big question on my radar for 2024 is do they actually get reimbursed within <laughs> 72 hours? How does that play out? Like, how does p- the point of sale play out really on the showroom floor? Like, are things working as they should? Yeah, the National Automobile Dealers Association, you know, really lobbied hard even uh, up, you know, well before the IRA became law to say that they needed it to be deliverable at the point of sale. They wanted the payments to come quickly. It looks like they've gotten what they asked for, but everyone wants to see if it really works that way. Yeah, you know, point of sale and, you know, the cash on the hood, it's convenient for, you know, hopefully all parties. So, yeah, you know, it remains to be seen. You know, it doesn't take effect until January 1st. So yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. That'd be one of your big stories to follow next year. Absolutely. <laughs> Dealers have the answers now. Like how does it play out? <laughs> so another thing that's developing, of course, uh, a lot of Washington stories develop slowly, but um, we've seen proposals from the EPA and NHTSA about uh, fuel economy and emissions in future years. And there's been a a lot of resistance from the industry, hasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I want to, you know, just specifically talking about the EPA proposal, when that came out, the Alliance for Automotive Innovation, which represents major automakers like General Motors, Toyota, they don't represent Tesla, uh, but they do represent quite a few other auto companies. But when the EPA proposed rules came out, They basically said, you know, these rules are unachievable, they're unreasonable, it's essentially a de facto battery electric vehicle mandate. And, you know, we've been seeing that term EV mandate, you know, 
Biden, the Biden administration is imposing this EV mandate popping up quite a bit in terms of criticism against basically stemming from these EPA rules. So the automakers aren't necessarily pleased with the proposal. And we also saw back in November, dealers also, I think about nearly 4,000 dealers speaking out against uh, the EPA's vehicle emissions proposal and saying that, you know, it's just an unrealistic shift to battery electric vehicles. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of concerns that have been stirred up. <laughs> yeah. And uh, of course, a big story to watch is whether and how those two entities' rules can come in line. Uh, the, the EPA rule being so much stricter than the NHTSA rule on fuel economy, uh, which was going to be challenging anyway, but not as extreme, not assuming a really rapid acceleration of EV adoption in the, the end of the decade and beginning of the next. Absolutely. Yeah. The, I mean, the Alliance has definitely been calling for one national standard for a very long time. I don't think that the auto industry has had that since the Obama administration. You know, they've got the NHTSA fuel economy rules, they've got the EPAs, and then they also have California. So the navigating all of those regulations um, can be tricky and costly. Well, so much more that we could talk about, but our, our time is up and I've got to let you go. But we'll be watching all the developments out of Washington and your great coverage in the pages of Automotive News in 2024. Audrey LaForest, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on EV tax credits, automotive regulation and lobbying, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with Cox Automotive Chief Economist Jonathan Smoke about his outlook for auto sales in 2024. As we go into 2024, it's going to be our most normal year yet in uh, five years. And I definitely think it's sort of heavy emphasis on many things uh, normalizing. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.